Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Ears International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. Really what words could express for what you guys do for our family or what you're willing to walk through. I'm sure everybody is caught up on the Kingdom Ears box and knows that mom has been forging the way when it comes to food there has never been someone who's walked more obedient to the word to his voice to his I mean pressing into every part there's nothing that they won't turn over and look at and see to make sure that generations are set up to see heaven on earth there's nothing that this family won't do to make sure that his DNA is replicated throughout the earth. So we're very thankful for you guys. Thank you for all that you've pressed into this week in your fast. Um, all that you've been willing to lay down, all that you've been willing to set aside, and all that you were willing to take on for this family. Um, we're just very thankful for you guys. Man, thank you for all that. That was it's totally humbling. Um, as we get into tonight, I kind of want to, I don't just want to like preach or talk at you guys, right? I want to, I want to kind of have like a, she was just talking about engagement. If you guys have questions or comments or whatever, part of um, building family identity is having discussions with your family. Right, it's not just me telling my kids this is what this is what we're about. This is what we do, right? It's it's part of that impartation is having the the family discussion, right? And and kind of remembering things. And so, um, what we felt impressed to do tonight was to kind of talk about that last six year season. We've got our six six year birthday of Kingdom Airs coming up. And before Kingdom Heirs was official six years ago, it was, how long would you say Kingdom Heirs was, I mean, looking back, we could say it was birthed before that, but it wasn't really public or corporate until six years ago. Decades. Yeah. Maybe two years before that. Three. Three years before that. So I kind of, I with the threshold that we're at and what we're stepping into with engagement and covenant and where Yahweh has this family right now, I kind of want to just take tonight to reflect on the last six to nine years of kingdom heirs. And basically what I feel like if I could sum it up in a short manner, what Yahweh is wanting us to do is to understand how to authenticate our calling when you, um, when you have something that's genuine, it has to be authenticated, right? And maybe not just once, but I think for us, and he dropped, this, he dropped that word authenticate on my spirit. And he basically said, I want you to talk with the family about how to every now and then authenticate your calling. And essentially what you're doing is safeguarding it, safeguarding the calling. And in order to authenticate it, we have to know the origin of the calling. And when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about on the house of kingdom heirs, 
for all of us as a family, there's a calling, right? The Ubedas have an individual calling. Jason's got one. Amber's got one. They have one as the Ubeda family. We also have a calling on this house, on this body, this assembly, right? And it's interesting. The definition of authenticate is proving or showing to be of an undisputed or genuine origin. So Yahweh put a calling on our hearts, which has essentially manifested as kingdom heirs, as you see it now. He put that on our hearts as soon as he brought us to Flagstaff, right? Really, I mean, even if you, before kingdom heirs was even a, a, a thing, that calling was on our heart when we moved to Flagstaff. And so part of coming full circle and looking back on this season, because we are at a threshold of stepping into engagement and covenant, which I think is a huge, I, th- I think when we talk about going back to the original intent, I feel like that's, that's it's, the, it's the most tremendous place we've ever been where we're going right now. We're standing at the threshold of this place. And so as we look back on the, the last six to nine years, it's important to know for everybody to know as a family, mainly the family identity in the form of the calling that was placed on this house, right? So that you can, whatever your perception might be, or we can go down a certain track or we can understand different revelations or teachings. And sometimes we may not understand the trajectory or the origin of the place that we came from and why we're at where we're at now. Does that make sense? So in order to authenticate the calling or to understand and truly align with the calling of the house, we have to understand the origin of where it came from so that we can reconcile those on a consistent basis and make sure that we are in alignment with the calling on the house, that we're actually walking that calling out. Does that make sense? Because in six to nine years, a lot of things can happen. A lot of relational dynamics, social dynamics, church politics, offense, uh, financial situations, right? You name it. Any, any manner of, of craziness could easily get us off track, even, even 24 hours down the road, right? We're talking about Shabbat. We're talking about, you know, we're saying I have no problems and I have the fullness and three hours from now, we could be off track, right? So think about six to nine years, which is kind of crazy to think about, but I want to, that's what I want to do tonight. And like Missy said, engagement, if you guys have questions, if you have comments, if you're excited, if you're mad because something I say is going to provoke you or whatever, you know, we can, we can have that interaction. So, and I, and I want people to chime in. If you remember anything specific about kingdom heirs, like towards the beginning, I want you to be able to just say, you know, if you have an impression about that, I want you to be able to say it because we have a certain perception and it might not, what I articulate might not encompass all of it. Um, one thing I did want to say, if you ever want like a, like a historical perspective on kingdom heirs, you could talk to Jay and Amber because I think they have a whole life of kingdom heirs documented in their notebook. Um, and they're pretty meticulous about it. So if you ever wanted to say like, Hey, what was happening like year one, (laughs) Jay will just flip through his notebook and they'll they'll be like, (laughs) yeah, most likely they'll know. I would imagine. Um, 
so we talked about divestment recently, right? How many people are really walking that out, feeling the impact of that? <laughs> I don't think. Am I better? Uh, I know Missy had mentioned that maybe that everyone is caught up on I know we use the word voxer. I'm going to start using the word, uh, words that um, are other platforms of communication. Because <laughs> uh, sometimes it can get, you know, when something becomes familiar, it's like, oh, that was voxer. Versus that is a platform we have as a family to communicate. We all kind of have family rules. For example, my kids have phones. There's certain dynamics with either texting or, you know, you've got your family, not but your kind of family way of living life and, and, and communicating. So, um, am I fine? Now? Now? Yeah? It, okay. So, <clears throat> uh, anyways, one of the things that I had said on our platform of communication, if you're not caught up, is that when he's talking about divestment, I just want to make sure that we're clear. That when he brought that word, divestment, that word had to do with the arena of divorce, okay? When you're talking about divorce versus covenant, we're not talking about New Year's resolutions, okay? So if we're talking about, well, what am I divesting from? This should be foundationally convictions in your heart that leads you to why you divorced from the original intent in the first place and how are you gonna safeguard yours, yourself from getting in bed with that divorce instead of engaging in covenant. This is not a, um, that wasn't a word to, to where we just, well, what should I divest from this week? You know, what's not good for me? Those are, those are great, but that's not what we're talking about. Uh, the reason why is because it's going to be hard for you to walk if you're thinking, oh, I've got a New Year's resolution and I should really stop complaining. That's a, that's a great thing. That's not what we're talking about, though. Because if you're just engaging and not complaining, you're not understanding when we start to bring the word all the way back to pre-Yeshua and why he came, he came because a divorce happened and a scattered people happened because they broke away from who he was. They broke away from his covenant. They broke away from his laws. <laughs> so I say that and kind of pause because there was a group of people that broke away from covenant and a lot of people think, oh, but they broke away from his laws and then you're like, but wait a minute, that wasn't like a long time ago. That was, I don't even know the laws, right? So we're still, we still have remnant of being a scattered people because we don't even, we're the, we are divorced from his laws. And so is this, is this making sense? So this is not a, I need to stop complaining because then the opposite of, of not complaining then should lead you into covenant and, and just being, um, what would be the opposite of complaining? 
rejoicing. Rejoicing could be a fruit of having covenant, but it's not like I'm gonna rejoice my way into being a set apart people. Or, you know what I mean? It's not, this is, we're not talking about a good idea. We're talking about what got us to be Gentiles in the first place. And are we supposed to be Gentiles? And that is what we're gonna get at when we start talking about why are we even here? Which is what he's gonna get after. But why are we even here? Because the original thing started from divesting from what we had been told so that we could build an authentic covenant to what he said. And so I just wanna make sure that I, that I lay that. When we're talking about this, it's not a good idea. It's about operating in the things that have caused um, adultery in our hearts adultery away from him to be able to have authentic covenant. Yeah. Does that make sense? Huge difference, right? New Year's resolution, divorce from Yahweh, like, right? It's a huge difference. I came across and this. Go ahead. It was just hard because then when we talk about like, oh, well, divorce from Yahweh. Well, Yeshua came on the scene. So then you've got complacency. So if I could be as bold as, could we be a people, the Christian church, that just put so much stake in saying a prayer that Yeshua is gonna just take away all of the, okay, let's just say he can, I'm just talking out loud. Let's just say he's good and he can totally rid the divorce papers and he can say, I, 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 you're, beloved, you're mine again, okay? Let's say that that's true. Does it rid you from the after effects of the whole time you lived a divorce life? It would be if I, if I lived a divorce life, so I am engaging in adultery, and then he, and so let's say I, well, let's just make this real. So we're in a covenant and I turn my eyes away and I decide to engage with another man. Now he, now he can sit there all day long and be like, mm-mm, which I'm sure Yahweh's like, but it's not like he can handcuff, he's not gonna handcuff me and be like, I said no. So I've got this will, right? So I engage in this covenant and then all of a sudden, my son like gets a hold of me and is like, mom, right? I mean, a son can do that, I would assume right? Mom, what are you doing? Okay. So then he brings me back. Let's say Jalen speaks some like life into me and says, I am here because of what was there. Mom, get back over there. So then I come back over here and then just sing Kumbaya and be like, good job, Jalen. Right? Like that's kind of how we've operated. Well, Jalen was on the scene, so it's all good. And I don't have to deal with what I did. I don't have to repent. Just his grace. I don't have to, I don't have to, and even if I did repent, how many, I mean, if you repent, you, there's gonna be a walking out process or there's gonna be a, a, a traumatic process that I'm gonna have to get healed from. I may, I may come back into this covenant and bring something with me and he'd be like, oh, that ain't from me. I don't know who you were living with, but that's not my identity. That's not what we do in this house. Let's say I had been engaging in an adulterous lifestyle for 15, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 2,000 years. 
living. And I come back and I go, but no. I was going to say a name and then that would have been weird. <laughs> Yo, yeah, I was going to say, but oh, Constantine. Constantine, he taught me like, you know, like we did Christmas and he's yeah, like. That's so gross. That's gross. And I'm trying to bring my other relationship, trying to say I've got covenant. And then I'm like, good thing Jalen's around. Whew. Saved my life. While I'm living in a household trying to bring all of my idols back into a covenant, that's, that, that's what's been happening. So when we talk about divest, I'm talking about not just, I mean, some of us might be here and we have to actually like get a divorce. Some of us might be recognizing that we got a divorce in the first place and started walking this way. Some of us might be totally engaged in covenant but recognizing I'm trying to bring my old divorce lifestyle into the home and I'm not allowing him to reestablish what it was supposed to be. Now, take it a little bit further. That seems a little personal when I'm married and then I leave, okay? But we're talking about generations. So what if my mom and dad were over here and then I'm born in Constantine's house and I'm the child? Now, all of a sudden, I got to figure out how to get back into covenant, and I have no idea what the original intent was even like. It's a beautiful thing to say, well, I was once here, and then I left, and I came back, but what happens when you're like, I didn't even know there was another house? Constantine's the only daddy I've known, right? And so then all of a sudden, we start to hear this divest word. That is not a New Year's resolution. That's not a, let me try to stop this or let me try to start this. This is, this is generational pre-Yeshua, why he came and why his story's still not done. Okay, he came to give us the ability to even allow us to come back into covenant. Without him, not even an option. Okay, but just because it's an option doesn't mean done deal, good job, he's there, I'm fine. You can, I, we believe that you cannot use him as a crutch to bring you back into the house and still live a lifestyle of a divorced life while you're acting like you're married. That's just cheating. I mean, you might as well just be like, I'm married, calling someone else every night. It's the same thing. And that's what the church is doing. Praise the Lord, our Savior and grace. And we are married and covenant while you are literally living underneath another whole household. Okay, so when we talk about the opposite of unity, that's the type of stuff that we're talking about. Okay? That was good. Um. That is why we are here. <laughs> <laughs> Not we, that's why we are here. <laughs> so I came across this quote yesterday, which I thought was interesting. Charles Spurgeon says, it is as much our duty to reject the traditions of men as to observe the ordinances of the Lord. It sounds familiar, right? It's like what, we've, what we're talking about. And when, when we talk about divestment, this wasn't as we look back on the origin of kingdom heirs, right? Or the origin of the call that 
that we felt led to walk out when we moved to Flagstaff, it was originally divestment. It was walking in unity. It was not tolerating <laughs> things that are not of him and absolutely going after the things that are. Okay, going all the way back. Um, there was, when we first made Kingdom Heirs corporate or public, one of the things, there was three things that we said we would do. We summed it up in three ways. And that was uh, raw restoration. Can you write these down? Mm -hmm. We had a, a much more... Um, we had like a page of articulation of the vision and the calling and all that stuff. But if you had to sum it, sum it up, it was raw restoration, real relationship, and radical reach out. Okay, those were the three things that Yahweh kind of how he, he summed up what Kingdom Heirs was and what our purpose was. And these things still apply. But when we, when we at least for me personally, and anybody else can attest to this, when I, the, my understanding of these things with, was with respect to the utter chaos that I saw in the church. And I want to talk about church as well, but I, we would sit in church on a Sunday morning and we would be, because we were, we were kind of like family counselors, marriage ministry kids ministry, finances, right? All the stuff that nobody wants you to touch, like God asks us to touch, right? So we would sit in service Sunday after Sunday and we would know the utter destruction in somebody's life. And there was zero restoration, none. No effort to restore. It was the church, the system of church would take any type of, of ugly, gross, dark, whatever people are, are always dealing with, right? Not people are always dealing with, but there's always these type of issues taking place. And we would sit in church Sunday after Sunday, and we would see there's really no restoration. And it's definitely not raw because nobody wants to deal with that. Nobody wants to touch any of those things. And it's because there is no, there is no real relationship. There, we did not see it. I don't know about you guys in, in church, in religion, in the system that I'm talking about. I, we did not see real relationship whatsoever, right? If you had damage in your relationship or you suffered something that needed restoration, you would just continue to have relationship, but it wasn't real because you weren't dealing with anything to restore anything. People weren't equipped to handle that and there it just hinders reach out there's no there's no reconciliation there's no effort to reach out because there's no relationship there's no rest yeah i mean you could just see how these problems would take place and so when yahweh asked us to articulate the heart of the ministry it boiled down to this and that's how i saw it at that time we're, yeah, we're going to, we, we are going to stand in the gap to stand for these things to begin to take place in the, in the lives of his people. We want people to be able to operate in restoration relationship and reaching out, right? If coming full circle now, as I was thinking about this um, today in everything that she just talked about, the covenant, 
right? In the two, the house is divided. Yahweh is after restoring the house and bringing the kingdom back together. True unity, right? That's what he's after. Now read these in that context. I feel like what Yahweh was doing was he's having, and this happens all the time. He has us say things or articulate things and we have a certain level of understanding at the time. But many times when I go back to whatever sermon or message or my notes or whatever from a few years ago, I understand it in a completely different way. It's not that my understanding was invalid or illegitimate at the time. There's just much more fullness to it. So when you think about raw restoration, he's taking us back to the original intent, right? He's taking us back to a full understanding of the great commission and the original intent and what it means to embrace the loving instructions of a father. That's the restoration that's taking place. The real relationship and the radical reach out, I believe, is, the, is between Jew and Gentile, right? The Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom. And this has now, this totally articulates what we're doing now, but it's just a more full understanding. He had us rehearsing and walking things out in the church, mm-hmm. right? But now when it talks about radical reach out, that's just like us going to New Mexico and having a covenant relationship with, with uh, Sons of Zion ascending. Right? But it all started, it all started with divestment because we saw things that we weren't willing to tolerate, not even for a second, not even like, oh, I'm tired today. I'm, I'm just going to tolerate Uh, that these things are going on, but I'm just going to turn a blind eye today because I'm tired or I'm busy or I don't have time. We didn't tolerate any of it for an ounce. Now, I'm not saying we went out and judged people and told people what we thought about it. You know, we would stand in a place of intercession and stand in a place and be available in those things to counsel people or, or just jump in the ditch with them, right? And so... The divestment issue, just like that quote from Charles Spurgeon, we were so on fire for the things that we're still walking out now. It's kind of funny. I feel like our messages, I feel like I just package the same thing in a different package like every Friday. And, and I, don't, I don't think that's bad. I feel like everyone has a life message at some point and we know what our life message is and we're just continually delivering it and it might show up in a different colored package every Friday or it looks different or here it is on a plate here it is in a in a gift box you know what I mean like but it's the same message since day one right and it's divest yourself it's all about covenant it's all about divesting yourself pursuing the things of Yahweh to the best of your understanding right and completely disengaging from everything that you that you ever understand is not of him right and that was from day one i feel like we should give examples let's do it i feel like i want to give kind of an example of what he's talking about like in the context of church um i mean obviously this would go down probably all three of them but here would be a mindset So when we would hear or see this, all of this was there. I mean, you guys remember that when we had uh, became kingdom heirs that there were other churches saying, oh, there's sin over there. You guys remember that? 
like pastors in the community were like, don't go over there. There's sin over there. And I'm like, at let's least just it- think, let's think about that for a second. If you, if you guys heard somebody say that, would you, would it, would you just be like, what? That doesn't make any sense. But in the church culture, it makes total I mean, in the church culture, it was like, you know, yeah, there's sin over there. It's like, well, hey, at least it's exposed. <laughs> I, but that's a mindset, whereas others, they don't, if it's not exposed, it's not happening. So all this is actually, this, this is all happening, meaning like addiction, broken marriages, raising kids, not having the tools, money, and constantly being fed are really, I mean, I'm not saying that they weren't pertinent, but like a really good sermon, but the life application of how to walk that out was just missing. What I mean by that is, is you could be like on fire, amen, hear the best sermon, and then right after the Sunday message, you find out that uh, a wife is cheating on her husband and has been for five years and needs to talk about this. <gasps> right? So that happens right after, and we all go to lunch, right? Sunday, everyone goes to lunch. Typically what happened was everybody would go to lunch and it was turn on the football game, leave me alone. And then there were certain people like us that were like, okay, now the work begins. So then you're trying to reconcile the sermon to someone that is basically coming out with this lot, with this thing and it needs to be dealt with. Okay. Well, it gets exposed and, and so you're sitting at a table of people, obviously we're like the marriage counselors. So we're bringing the messes, right? Because we were the people that like, oh, they'll, you know, go to them. Then we don't have to hear about it. So, so we would bring something to the table and be like, okay, we've got this issue. And we would leave that table with the advice that because she cheated, she needs to leave the church. So the game plan now, so here we are in a rock and a hard place. I just jumped in the trenches with this family. Number one, I'm not walking away. What am I going to do? I just got done. I didn't know you were going to say that. I've been in the mess. Now I got to go turn around and be like, bye-bye, after I've already been weeping, crying, praying, coming up with a game plan, coming up with strategies. I mean, sleep. I mean, we had people move into our home. I mean, you are in the mess, right? Then you go to a meeting because I guess that's what you have to do next. And then the game plan is to tell her to go to a different church. Hold on a second. But not the one with the pastor that said there's sin in our church because there isn't over there. Right. (laughs) So you go to this meeting and you're just like, what, what am I, how am I supposed to do this? So these are the type of things that would happen. So instead of saying like, okay, I think, yeah, I think, all right, that makes sense. Like she's a threat. He would step up to the plate and be like, why don't we start focusing on, instead of looking at her as a threat, because that was the ultimate thing, was it, well, she's going to do it once, she's going to do it again, and she's a threat to all the men in this place. He steps up and he goes, why don't you safeguard your own marriage, and you might not have that threat anymore. If your covenant was intact, she would not be a threat. This should be a safe place. Those are the kind of things he would drop at the table which you know, all of us were like, amen. That was not an amen back then. 
because it was spiritual, demonic demons will actually get into your covenant if you allow it. Like, right? You know, it's like there's no, it's like, you know what I mean? But there's Jezebel operating and she can get in there. You know, so all of a sudden you're just, I mean, right? That's the way that it, that's the way that it was. So when we're talking about raw restoration, it's talking about standing in the gap that is not the norm or, um, not popular or having real relationship, but it's looking at things completely differently to be able to walk out something different. Okay. Ha ha, joke's on us. Think about where I'm going. Anybody know where I'm going? Maybe. Think about the first story I just said. Who are you? You're the adulterer. You're the, you're the one Right? And the church said, get her out of here. So that means by default. So at that time, it was like, this is what we got to stand for. Little did we know, he's like, please stand on your conviction because it's actually going to come full circle and it's going to be you. And if I stood on my high horse, like, get, get her out of there, I, thank God I stood. So when Missy's crying up here, thank you for what you forged, because had I not stood on that conviction, I would be the one that would be letting someone else say, get her out of here. Right? And Yahweh, he ain't afraid. He, he, is, he is yearning for us to come back into covenant because we are the redeemed ones. He, he, he's not afraid of that. But like I said, don't get that twisted that because he's not afraid of it, you're allowed to live however you want, right? So once you come back, that just like us, we didn't tell that person, we're gonna, we're gonna let you stay because we have that authority. But you know, just do whatever you want. It's awesome. I think you should keep seeing that guy. And you know what? Why don't you go pry on the pastor? Go get him. Right? That's not what we that's not what we were doing. We were we were standing in a place of love, love her where she's at, but bring her into a place. What are we doing right now? Love her where she's at, but bring her into a place, but also stand in a place to not be like, that ain't for me, when in reality, you kind of committed the same sin. <laughs> While you're decorating your Christmas tree, but we're not cheating on each other. Come on, judging. Oh, there's sin over there. Why, you have Santa. You are judging that adultery has come out in this house. Why, you hired the Easter bunny. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, talk about what we're divesting from. We're divesting from being strong against those traditions, understanding what our call is. Why are we here? What are we radically reaching out, going out on the corner and handing out tracts? We just had this conversation. Are we supposed to be advertising? I don't know, I'm just asking. I do believe we're supposed to get loud. I do believe we're supposed to go public, but how? Like all the other churches? I don't know, with a sign? I mean, how did we get you guys? How, did the re how does the remnant come in? It, it, yeah. They signed the waiver, but think about it. How did they get here? Relationship. I don't know if I want anyone coming off the street right now. Uh, you know what I mean when I say that. Like, unless they're, a, 
Where, like, I just mean, like, if somebody's church hopping, trying to find a good church, this isn't going to, this, that's not going to work. We're not so. part of that. We're not part of that system. So there, it's not going to. So it, anyways, it just, what, why was I talking about that? So reach out. What does that mean? This is what I was talking about when I was getting all fired up on our platform of communication. When I, I will spend the rest of my life shortening the distance to when he can come back to a bride united with one new man. That's the reach out. I'm not afraid of the Jews, right? Because we're understanding the bigger picture. Well, first you might want to not be afraid of the Gentile. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> does that, so the radical reach, I'm not saying that we don't reach out in that way, but there's a greater reach out. We're reaching all the way over to Israel. We're reaching over. We're reaching into the garden. We're reaching into our roots. We're reaching into, we're reaching into so much more. And it's definitely radical because it isn't reaching out in the way people thought. Yeah. And all of this, all of this was a standard for us. And so that's another part of this family identity is that we are a family that will uphold a standard no matter what, right? If, if Yahweh says, do this or uphold this standard, we're going to give it everything, right? And isn't it interesting that the very beginning of the call had to do with this, which is where we are now? And then obviously when you talk about kids, you mean, you're just talking about legacy because it's all about generations, Right? So about what are they born into? That's, that's the, that was the beginning. Yeah. Um, are you guys all good? Does anybody have questions, comments, anything? Come on, Noel. No, I'm just kidding. Being a crossover people. So just for the sake of uh, podcast, um, that people, people have come here because they are church shopping and then all of a sudden they taste something or they feel something or they hear something that just sits. And this is what's so powerful is this is not a, this is not a, so a divorce happened, right? But before the divorce, there was something, okay? And even before the divorce, there was the garden, okay? And even before the garden, there was heaven. Where are you from? So the whole thing that is so powerful is we know this. All of this, we already know. You already know this. So two things happen. You either walk into that knowing, right? I knew you in your mother's womb. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. Why? Because you were with him. You, you were, you were, you were created, your destiny, you agreed. We've talked about this, but you, you, you agreed in heaven. Before you came into your mother's womb, you agreed to come here. You also agreed to what you were gonna tackle on this earth. You agreed to your destiny scroll. You agreed to your calling. You agreed to say, I will take that on. Just like Yeshua agreed to say, I'll be the one. Okay? 
So you agreed. Then what happens is you get birthed into earth or you get birthed into uh, a family of Constantine. And you have to then spend your whole life trying to unravel what is not truth, essentially. But it is truth and you do know it. So two things happen. Either A, you walk into a standard like this and you're like, where ha- this is it? Or you walk into <laughs> yeah, or you walk into a situation like this and you're and you are um, I don't know if I have the right words, but either mm, I don't know if I have the right words. It's hard for me to describe it because when I woke up, I knew I didn't struggle with well, but but that household feels so good, right? Like I'm kind of like when Yahweh speaks, that it, that's easier for me, so it's kind of hard for me to describe. But what I've seen is that when people come in contact with this, typically it's so foreign because they've lived so much of their life believing that that's foreign, that there's no way that that's the original intent and this just makes sense. So it's more comfortable or it's what they know, or um, maybe it's more um, appeasing. I mean, you don't have to have any accountability. You don't have to walk it out. You don't have to have a destiny scroll. The pastor can do it for you. You can go home. You can keep living your lifestyle the way you want. You can um, maybe maybe repent every once in a while, get a good altar call in there and feel good, but you don't really need to have oneness in your marriage. You really don't need to have obedient kids. You really don't need to have, right? Like you just don't, you just, it, that's a work, right? So when all of a sudden you get into a situation like this, you're like, oh no, I didn't really want to actually manifest heaven on earth because that's way different than what earth looks like. And I don't, you know, I'll just, we're fine. Jesus and saved by grace. Because I'm not saying it's easy peasy. You have been given the authority to manifest heaven. So that means you can't go to a conference anymore and get on your knees and be like, Jesus, we're looking for revival. And he's like, been there, done that. Can you do it yourself? Not, I shouldn't say yourself. <laughs> he's going to do it with us, but he, he's looking for his sons and daughters to take over the business. He's about legacy. He's not about hierarchy. He's like, I want you to manifest heaven. And so what happens when you're like, well, no, I want you to do it. So it's easier to not have to do anything. I don't mean by works and I don't mean alone, but he is looking for partnership because you agreed. You didn't come on this earth to just, why are you here? Sometimes I just like, why are you here? Why are you here on this earth? Why are you here in this spot? Sometimes I wonder, can I just get weird for a second? Sometimes, you know, Missy's like, can we just engage with the food? I will be up here and I am like, it, you guys are the easiest people because at least you kind of get it, right? And I'm just like going like this and I'll have people just like, like, I don't even like, does my work email say? Wait, who's texting me? Sometimes I want to be like, why are you here? Not here, but like, I get so like, why are you even on this earth? What did you say yes to? Sorry, Hosea. 
But what did you say yes to? You did not just say yes to work. You did not just say yes to, um, what? Yeah, you're, you're, you're just, what is your destiny? What is your calling? Like you didn't just, you're not just here for, <sighs> oh, but like, oh, it's like, but did that get your attention? Hey, like, what are you, what are you here for? But then now that you've been in a family, that's like, oh my gosh. So, so let me, let me say, let me say this. I'm not going to say her name. Yes, I will. Lurie. So I'm talking to Lurie and you know how she'll get, she'll just kind of like, I'm like, well, you know, got to talk about it some more. This is not going on my pants anymore. So, you know, I'm like talking to Lurie and Lurie goes, she's like, she's just super bold. Like, she's just kind of like, we need to be farther along than where we are right now. And I've got people being like, you talk so fast. I don't, what don't get, or whatever, you know? And she's just like, we should be farther along. Like, I want to know how to raise people from the dead. And we need to start like doing these things. And we need to start, you know, and like, who are we? Well, then it's going to get crazy because if we're already trying to just talk about what we should be divorced from and we're just like, How are we going to be able to talk about our frequency and creating and manifesting and being able to be at the point where you can stand here? Oh, that's not going to sound, well, it doesn't matter. It's being able to stand here and close your eyes and move things. Or be able to know when, uh, when he went behind the walls. Do you think that that was like a supernatural thing that was just for him? Like if he healed people and he went through walls, why would we stop at healing people? So like at some point, <laughs> we're going to be able to operate at heaven's frequency that we're going to be able to like walk through that wall. <laughs> Those are the things that he covenant. The third floor is covenant. That is just to show us how to be a set-apart people. What happens when you're a set-apart people? You don't look right. You don't talk right. You don't, you're not going to be, you're not going to be nothing churchy. You're not going to be anything earthly. You're going to be a light being. And I've said this before. The only thing that separates me from you seeing my light being is the, is the uh, covering that he gave me right? The fig leaves and all the kindergarten books, it's skin. So the covering that he gave us on earth to separate us from that light being walking in the cool of the day is our skin. So when we go back to the original intent and we start to engage with that light being, what's going to happen to our skin? Now, now I know that that probably sounds crazy, but what we have already said that we are a set apart people that does not agree with death covenant that says I get it all after I die. What do you think you're gonna look like in heaven? Do you know what you look like in heaven? Have you seen yourself? <laughs> mm 
this is why we need to get through covenant. Because when you start engaging with what you look like in heaven, Because then when you know what that looks like, you start to manifest it on earth. And all of a sudden there are things like when Moshe was glowing or when there are things that, be, that begin to happen that are, not, that are not going to make sense on earth. Right now, all we are is a set apart people that we have obviously all agreed we're not church people. Okay, awesome. When we get into covenant, it's gonna show us that we're not just not church people, we're gonna start to see that we're not earthly. So then when that happens, then things really begin to progress, which is why I want to boldly talk about whether it's complacency or being able to really understand a word and walk it out to be able to get to a place to where we can just receive the original intent because after that, all of heaven is opened up to us, right? Everything, everything, everything. I mean, what do you long for? Whether it, it is raising from the dead, whether it's healing or whether it's, like I said, spending the rest of my life shortening the distance that if I believe we're a, pro, a prophetic people, that we are able to pull him in for tabernacles. Could it be that in seven years from now, if we could get through real relationship, raw restoration, radical reach out, understand what all of that means, could we be a covenant people? That means if I say something crazy, like the law says you shouldn't eat pork, that I don't have a bunch of I'm just saying, because if we're gonna be a set apart people that safeguards us because he said, I gave you instructions, could it be that in seven years from now, we're gonna see him at Tabernacles? If we're rehearsing, could it be? Not like what we heard in the church. Like, oh, one day. But like, if I'm rehearsing and I'm a light being on this earth, then I can receive when he comes back because we're gonna mirror each other. We're gonna recognize one another. There's gonna be no skin. On earth, do you want to rule and reign for a thousand years where you don't age and you get to have all authority where he actually begins to take dominion over the earth? But it's not gonna come as a shock because you already know what dominion looks like because you've been playing your role. And then because you've been playing your role, he anoints you. How many of you, come on, I, how many of you have wanted a pastor to anoint you? In the old, how many of you, call me. Or like you're at a conference and you're Yeah, like, if you're at a big a name, call. Get prophetic, <laughs> Tanya Brewer. Someone in the crowd is gonna inherit a million. It's me, it's me. How many of you didn't even need to get called? I've gotten one of those money things and I'm falling over, shaking on the ground because it was me, right? That is gonna actually happen, but with Yeshua, not a conference, right? What is gonna happen? How have you lived your life that would so represent heaven that when he comes, he would anoint you over a nation? Okay, now we're gonna rule and reign, you get Japan, okay? Oh, you did well with Flagstaff? How about, uh, why, don't, why don't you get Israel? 
What, what, what nation do you want? If we're talking about real uh, radical reach out, it might not necessarily be that you're like going to Massachusetts. It might, I mean, I don't know. Have you envisioned it? What do you want? Maybe one of you guys is supposed to have mass. Somebody's got to take it. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything. Oh my God, he's going to give us flag stuff. <laughs> That's what I'm going to be like, let me fly away. <laughs> Right? But I mean, when he comes back, you're going to get a word and you're going to be appointed. Do you guys understand that? Like the crowns and the jewels that you have, we're not all equal. Right? Like he is going to appoint. You guys understand what I mean when I say that? Like we are because we're co-heirs. But he's not going to hand over an immature crown, a, 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 a massive amount of authority that, that wants you to rule and reign over something if you don't even know how to handle rest. I mean, if you're not even able to stand in the gap for adultery, he's like, don't give him Cambodia. If you are scared of sin now, he's not going to give you uh, L.A., imagine you guys the ch the church is gonna freak out because all of a sudden Yeshua is gonna come and be like who wants the uh you know he's gonna assign you a community and you're gonna be like no I told them all to go away what is what's gonna happen yeah so I, I say that boldly with how we walk because when you're walking through what he's taken us through, it's to prepare you for more. It's never for just right now. It's always to prepare you for more. I'm really scared about this podcast. <laughs> uh, this, I've... So one thing I want to say about how this, this, I feel like, is part of the reason why people will come in and they'll be mostly turned off by what happens here. Because when, and this is the best analogy I can think of, when I was in law enforcement, if you had an active shooter at a school, right? Somebody's in a school, they're shooting, and I'm the first one there. And I could see any of our kids at the school when I go in. I could see my own kids, right? You're going to see trauma, you're going to see blood, you're going to see people that are dead, you're going to see people that are hurt and dying. And what you have to do, which is totally counterintuitive, and I'll get to my point, but what you have to do as the one responding is you have to enter the building and step over each and every dying person to get to the threat, right? Because if you stop and you start addressing people that are hurt, there's just gonna be more and more people piling up that are hurt. Makes sense, right? But it's counterintuitive and when you're in it, that would imagine how hard that would be, right? I had to reconcile it in my own mind. If I responded to uh, Cromer Elementary for an active shooter and I was the first one in, I may see my own child on the ground and I have to step over them and deal with the thing that's really causing damage, right? And isn't that it's, like Yahweh? But then Ruach comes on the scene. I'm like, I'll pick them all up and I'm going to go get them. 
Right. There's an aspect of that, but I, I say that to make the point that our our perspective and our vision and our drive that he gave us is so counterintuitive. And that's, that's an undercurrent here because when you talk about a uh, perfect example was when we had a woman in church who was in several adulterous relationships and the first thing that was told to her was she needs to leave, right? That would be like addressing the first kid you see walking in the door and not dealing with the root issue that's going to keep causing the problem, mm-hmm. right? Or it would be like um, going to a soup kitchen and continuing to feed the same person a dinner every day for 10 years. Or you could implement some type of ministry or walk in a certain way that you would actually attempt or partner with Yahweh to deal with the problem of why they need to be there in the first place. Right? And because we operate that way, because in, in, if you look at where we're at now and where Yahweh has us now, it's because we see things that way. How a lot of people have questioned, well, where, you guys don't evangelize. So think about everything that mom was just talking about. And it's not that we don't evangelize, but we don't primary, we don't at this time put an emphasis on evangelism because there's a bigger issue of divorce and not understanding who we are. So really, what are you going to evangelize? What are you going to evangelize people into? Right? What are you, you're going to, you're going to adopt them into a system right? That is operating outside of covenant, essentially, right? With everything that we've talked about. And so when we are called to uphold a standard and to respond to something, it's we're going, we're going after the thing that's causing the biggest issue, right? And so in, in my heart, in my mind, I truly am not concerned about us all piling in a van and going on a missions trip to Africa, right? Not that that's bad, Right? Every house has a call, right? Everybody has a different call. And we all we're all fitted together and mutually dependent upon one another, right? That's Hold just on. not our But if it was, we just might have a better way of doing it. Because in one dimension you have to get airfare, you have to go there, you have to take time away from your family, you have to have a lot of money. Whereas when we begin to learn how to be a covenant people, you might be sleeping and thinking about Africa and somebody in Africa has been talking to you for the last three years. And you've been evangelizing, you've been praying, you've been healing people, you've been raising people from the dead. So that when maybe one day you do go there, they already know your name because you've been there. That's a little bit more of an effective ministry. That's the kind of ministry I would like to engage in. If I'm gonna go to Africa, I would like to do it in my sleep. Your dreams are powerful. <laughs> but you guys get what I'm saying. That, that's a lot of the reason people will come in here and they'll say, but you're not doing this and this and this. You're not serving this need. They're, they will see immediate needs, right? Just like in that situation, you step in the door, there's immediate needs everywhere. But those immediate needs don't supersede the thing causing the immediate need in the first place. 
right? But a lot of people, it's counterintuitive. So they'll just see the immediate needs and say, well, the church is supposed to address all these immediate needs. And they're looking down at all these immediate needs and not looking up at what's causing them in the first place. Right? So a lot... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's okay, mm-hmm. right? Other churches have the playbook of, right? Medics have their job, mm-hmm. right? We just have that that different call that's counterintuitive because that had to be trained in beat into our heads as much as possible. And even then, when you're in it, you don't know if you're going to respond the right way. One thing I was going to talk about, about I don't even know if I evangelize, but with evangelizing, this goes back to all the words that came out about compartmentalization. Because if you're living a kingdom lifestyle, then you're always evangelizing your frequency, your words, your verbiage, your uh, great example is uh, I'm a hygienist. Most people would say, okay, I'm gonna do church on Friday night. And then when I'm a hygienist, I'm a hygienist. Everybody in that office knows exactly who I am, what I'm about, what like, there's no, you're gonna get me, I mean, Am I allowed to talk about that? Missy's in the office. I was having a horrible day, by the way. I'm like behind. I feel like I'm a fish out of water. I'm getting back in the game. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. And I'm trying to learn the ropes of another whole office. Missy's laying in there and I walk right up to the doctor and I'm like, oh, you get my spiritual daughter today. And I'm like talking about how like, you know, I have to claim Tyler, but I don't want to. (laughs) And I tell him that and he like starts laughing. He's like, yeah, I wouldn't either. He's like, I won't tell him. I'm like, no, you can tell him. That's fine. But I don't shun away, like they know who she is, they know who uh, everyone is in the office. I had a patient and he tells me, well, why are you coming back to hygiene? And I had to tell him about five kids, I'm homeschooling, and I said, I'm also a minister. I usually say minister is when I, because I just don't know what else to say. Oh, well, what, what's your ministry? Well, basically, I help people get out of religion and into relationship because it's about who he is and it's about the father turning to the sons and restoring families. And, and he's like, is that like non-denominational you would think? And I go, that would probably be the best way to explain it. But to be honest, it's just, it's Hebrew. He's like, never heard of such a thing. And I go, yeah, and I'm learning the Hebrew language. Like I don't, I'm not like, yeah, I'm a pastor. Like I don't try to like bring, you know, I just go for the jugular. You either are the remnant or you're not. This either sits well with you or it doesn't. And he was like, man, that's the best appointment I've ever had in my entire life. I'm like, yeah, it was. Because all I'm thinking is, is like my hands and I get to like, you know, just. All. So anyways, don't compartmentalize. Who you are at work is exactly who you should be here. A son. Right? Be that. Be that everywhere. That is your evangelize. Don't shun away. Bring your boss up in here. Not, not like in a way of like come to our, you know, bring them into relationship. Bring him into, bring her into who you are. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Where were, where, how, where were you going? Like with, with history. I'm being practical now. I'm looking at the clock. We got one more Friday. Where are you at with your... I was going to see if anybody knew the scripture that like launched Mm. kingdom heirs. Good question. If you could say what? Yeah. I was thinking to myself, nobody's going to know. All these people are the ones not like this. (laughs) (laughs) So Ephesians 4 verses 1 through 16 is really like what... 
Yahweh laid on our hearts in the very beginning, just as a, just for us, but we felt so strongly about upholding this standard throughout our life that this is, I mean, if you, if you look at anything about kingdom air is going to fall back into this and there's other, I mean, there's other scriptures, but, um, it's mainly this. And, uh, did you, I could finish with reading this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's Ephesians four is unity of the body and of God. Therefore, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called with complete humility and gentleness and patience, putting up with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of Ruach in the bond of Shalom. There is one body and one Ruach, just as you are also called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one immersion, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace is giving. It, excuse me, grace was given in keeping with the measure of Messiah's gift. Therefore, it says, when he went up on high, he led captive a troop of captives, and he gave gifts to his people. Now, what does he went up mean except for that he first went down to the lower regions of the earth? The one who came down is the same one who went up far above all the heavens in order to fill all things. He himself gave some to be emissaries, some as prophets some as proclaimers of the good news and some as shepherds and teachers to equip the Kiddoshim for the work of service for building up of the body of Messiah. This will continue until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of Ben Elohim to mature adulthood to the measure of the stature of Messiah's fullness. As a result, we are no longer to be like children tossed around by the waves and blown all over by every wind of teaching, mm-hmm. by the trickery of men with cunning mm-hmm. and deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking truth in love, we are to grow up in all ways into Messiah, who is the head. From him, the whole body is fitted and held together by every supporting ligament. The proper working of each individual part produces the body's growth for the building itself up in love. And I just, I mean, I just, I love those verses because that's like everything in us is about that. And everything about kingdom heirs is about that. You can track everything we do, everything we say, you can track it back to any one of those 16 verses. And so I believe that as we look back on, you know, and obviously we just kind of skimmed over a lot of stuff, but as we look back on the last six to nine years, I think, I feel like we have been in a season of major divestment. We've been in a season of going directly to the threat, right? When, when I would respond to something, it was called direct to threat. I feel like that's been what we've been doing for the last six to nine years. But as we step over this, this threshold, right, we were clearing the way of things so that other things can be uh, walked out. Right, we're step. We're we're at a threshold of a place where we're emptying ourselves so that we can be filled with uh, the things that He wants us filled with. And so, you know, part of what we're you know we're joking about, and we say it jokingly, but sometimes we do, you know, want to flip a table or like somebody's on their phone. You want to throw a, a dry erase marker at their forehead or something, and it's like, what are we doing? You know. Like, to me, it's like the active shooter situation is happening in the spirit. Things are dying. Things are, destruction is happening. Chaos is happening. And we need to address it, right? So 
that's the type of urgency that we always have every day. You can ask anybody every day, all day. That's the type of urgency that because we see, we can perceive it in the spirit. Right? So when you're like responding to something and you, it would be like me stepping in the door and another cop sitting there on his phone. Like, mm. what are you doing? Right? That's, that's, so just so you guys have some insight into where we're coming from, if we get fired up or like when you give that discipleship invitation into your life, like we're going to let you have it. Right? Because we're, you know, part of this talks about equipping of the saints, mature manhood, right? Growing up into the head who's the Messiah. I mean, this is, this is not like. Well, and we're not, not you guys, but we're dealing with on a daily basis, immature sons where it's, you know, the milk, you know, versus the meat. And so there's just that culture that's wrapped around it. Yeah, so just, you know, and we'll continue talking about it next Friday, but we just wanted to kind of give like a, you know, as a family, as we're stepping into a new place, kind of just a broad perspective on where we've been and what the family identity is so that you can authenticate, right? You can authenticate the way you're walking according to the origin of the call in this house. Amen. Say that again. Mm. in milk because of the immature, the mere milk. It's good. Mm-hmm. One of the things in that scripture, <clears throat> Ben Elohim, sons of Elohim, it's, there's such a huge aspect to, in that scripture, even just understanding what that means. One thing I was just going to kind of throw out there just to be thinking about when we talk about restoration, this is going to probably provoke a little bit. How far, I was looking, I, I ha, I'm going to look for the scripture, I've got to find it, but how far does restoration go? So... Okay, so when I said that you're going to be given dominion over a nation, right? over nations isn't just people on earth, but there is another realm. There is a demonic realm that has been given authority over the earth. So when I say that you have an assignment, it might not just be Santa Fe people, but that the what's been residing over that territory. And if you've been given all authority, are you gonna be wrestling that? Or are you gonna be in a place to bring restoration? I'm just stepping out on some things in the sense of if you, if a third fell, I'm just wondering what his intent is and what are you assigned to? So it's not just like, it's one, like when we get all intense because we're not just thinking of like, oh my gosh, you might have an assignment later on in life to a people group. I'm thinking who's going to be assigned to Jezebel? Right? Because it, I just want you to be thinking about that because there's another realm that is going to come about. Well, it's here, but I just mean the authority that you've been given, he, he's coming back for that. So wanting to talk about that with uh, restoration. Um, and then just really quickly, I know that, oh, I can't do that.
mature and immature. The other thing it was talking about too is um, it being with its mom. Like the main thing was, was to not cook it in its mother's milk. Just kind of, I don't know, there's just some interesting things in there. Uh, I don't, I want to just preface what we're going to be going over next week because I really want to get into the prophetic. Here's why we're taking a couple of weeks to prepare for the birthday. If I was to throw a birthday for Jason, then who comes to that birthday should know about Jason. And Jason should know what he's celebrating, whether birthday, anniversary. I don't want us to use in, what is it, two Fridays? In two Fridays, we are having an anniversary birthday celebration for everything he's talking about to bring honor that we are a family that chose to divest and make it something six years ago. Meaning the first time we went public by saying the name Kingdom Heirs because we went from a fellowship into being heirs of the kingdom. We went from member to Ben Elohim publicly. We became heirs of the kingdom six years ago. So when we celebrate every year, there's an aspect that he's adding to our family. Just like when someone turns 13, there's something about that birthday. When someone's turning 21, there's something about that birthday. There's something about this birthday, just like all the birthdays. He speaks a word over our family. I don't want us to come and consume a good time and not understand what we're celebrating. We're celebrating a life that has caused utter chaos for the world. <laughs> right, like, you know what I mean? Like, like, this is a baby to be celebrated. He didn't get into it, but we could get into some history. When she was talking about, uh, you know, like, oh, I'm having a baby. Or you could get pregnant with kingdom heirs and be like, the hell? <laughs> Because that is not how it went. I mean, I like had to lock myself in the office for what, six days? I almost, I almost aborted you guys. Like I, I'm pro-life, but like when it, when I, I, I mean, we could get in, we could get into some history because when I didn't know who the dad was, when I was off offering myself to every church, I didn't know what I got impregnated with when this ministry came about. So I wanted to get rid of it. So that was a real thing that I had to deal with where I locked myself in the office for six days because I needed to get down to the DNA results. I needed to know what happened. So when we're celebrating this, we're celebrating a life that did not get aborted. That, 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 that we chose to say no, even though I don't know who the dad is, we're going to do this thing. And so, anyways, there's a whole story with that. But I just want us to understand, like, the history isn't just about, like, a ministry that started. But the absolute, think about Mary walking the earth, impregnated, right? And she didn't, she didn't have sex. And she's getting pregnant and it's Yeshua, right? I mean, that's what it felt like is it's like, I mean, it was a little bit different because I didn't know where, I didn't know who the dad was, but this thing was happening and it was birthing and it was coming forward. And it was like, all eyes were on this child. And it was like, 
pushed away because of the way the birth happened. It was a, um, and we endured that. So when we're celebrating, there's something to celebrate that we're here and that we're going strong and yet we're only six. And what does six mean? Why are we celebrating six? So anyways, we're gonna get into this. There might be more with the history. Um, And if you guys have questions, let us know because we can go over all that. But I want us to be prepared for the birthday. I want us to be prepared for the anniversary. I want us to celebrate understanding our heritage, our heritage, our past. How did we get here? Um, What does that mean for us? Why are we in 5782? Why is it 2022? What does bait mean? What does three mean? Why are we, do we keep seeing two times three? Why Why are we Vavs this year? Because he's gonna give us a word over our life and he's gonna focus in this year on what is happening. And so we're gonna get into all of that next week. And then am I right that it's the next week is the birthday? So have you guys heard about the anniversary, about the birthday? Like, if you haven't, it's okay, say no. But I want to know if you've, okay, when I say here, I'm a Hebrew. So I don't mean heard. I mean hear and understand and know and obey. Have you heard about the birthday? (laughs) And it's okay if it's a yes, but I just, sometimes I'll feel like, I don't know if I'm hearing I don't know if it feels like that, but in two Fridays from now, six o'clock. So sometimes we start at 6.30, but we have fellowship at six. We're gonna start at six o'clock and we are having a huge honor time because it is the year that Yahweh is saying, I want to honor honor the humanness to what I did. I wanna honor the vessels that are going to carry out my manifestation because you're here. Because you're here on this earth, I wanna honor, you are a vessel to pour out what heaven has said. That is what he's honoring. So with that, when you come at six, it's a formal dinner. So you're gonna come in either black white or silver because we're gonna have a family photo. We are still going to have, uh, because we've talked about this before, we are going to have a catered cocktail hour and we are gonna have, like I said, a family photo and we're going to have a catered dinner, okay? As an honor, um, as as a time to honor where we are, okay? And that's that's in two Fridays. It's during our normal family night. So just, you're not necessarily coming like we normally do for family night, but it's going to be the same setup as far as food and stuff like that. But what I want to speak out is that come ready to receive for some things to shift. Because we've been through five, we've been through four, we've been through three, we've been through two, we've been through one, we've been through before our mother's womb. We've been through all that, but there's something about us being six. And there's going to be a family gift presented to each individual or family. Each family is going to get a family gift that is gonna seal some things, not just to solidify who you are in this family. Because I don't care if you came in at year five. I don't care if you came in yesterday. I don't care if you come, if you're still not here yet. I'm speaking to everyone that is not here yet outside of time. There is something that we need to grab a hold of with Vav. And so there is going to be a seal over your family that is gonna solidify who you are in this house 
but also not just who you are in this house as, a, as that we are family, but your distinguished role. Okay, because there was a role to get us from mother's womb to one. And then there's a role when we're six, there's gonna be a role when we're 15, there's gonna be certain roles that we carry and there's gonna be a solidification of that role within this family that's gonna happen that night. Okay, and it's really gonna, remember we've talked about this before prophetically, it's gonna seal up that role of the night season so that you can be launched forward in the rest of the night season to get strategy of what you're to walk out on earth so that six becomes manifest. Okay? So this is where the stars come into place. It's a solidification of your stars, of your role within all of that so that you can obtain the strategy so that when day comes, you can actually walk out what he has said in this family. In two Fridays. Yes? Uh, I just think it's powerful because it's all about our heritage, right? Like if you were to physically get adopted into another family, you would begin to learn about your heritage mm-hmm. even as you grow or if you what if you got adopted older, like as a teenager, where you're going to start to learn about your lineage what Mm -hmm. so when they're releasing tonight it isn't like we did all this and it's this separate being but it's it's literally who you are it's your dna it's in you so Mm -hmm. when they're going through the list of the standards that's what is getting imparted but also it's what's always been there right otherwise you wouldn't be here like if that, that draw and that call and that like stirring when you show up, well, that's, it's like the stars are aligning and you're like right where you're supposed to be in the moment you're supposed to be there. So that, that, um, solidification of that DNA can, can happen. So this isn't like two separate things or, mm-hmm. well, way back when we first mm-hmm. started, we were addressing these things. This is like parents, grandparents, like, well, this is the, the challenges I face to get you here. Like think about in another setting where you have grandparents that maybe were immigrants that moved here Mm -hmm. and the challenges they faced to establish a place for you. Well, that is your heritage. Mm -hmm. That's your history that there was, there was things moved out of the way for you right like how humbling and how honoring is that that there was literally voices moved out of the way so this this voice could be loud Mm -hmm. (laughs) so your voice so your role could be here so your seat at the table there were other seats at the table that were not supposed to be there and they got moved so Mm -hmm. it's not like two separate things Mm -mm. So, I mean, I'm, I'm be excited, be intentional. Like this is our family photo is a big deal. Like be intentional with your outfit. Like just, this is exciting. <laughs> I'm excited. You're going to be on my wall. <laughs> but have you ever, well, just thinking about heritage, have you ever been at the dinner table with like a grandparent and then all of a sudden you're like, that's why I have that. Totally. Or, or yeah. find out a mishap from a generational of like, 
I get to carry that on. And so there is a huge aspect of everything about tonight, if you could just overarch it, was the beginning of why did we divest in the first place? And it was to divest, divest from a culture that basically kept you in a place that would have kept you divorced while you were under the impression you were married. And now we're learning what it's like to be engaged because we're about to embrace a new covenant that is going to set us apart from, like I said, not just church, but the whole earth after that. Well, and it's powerful that it's Vav, like she's saying about the humanness, because it is the, the challenge of your humanness, right? Like all the challenges that you face to get here, it's, it's, I I would think that this brings um, courage, like an encouragement of like, well, no wonder this has been so hard. No wonder because I'm I'm uh, confronting so many things to be able to sit at my seat, right? Like all those generations, all those mindsets that Vav is connecting heaven to earth. So that is, I mean, talk about the tension and the like pressure on that that tent pig. <laughs> I mean, it's the weight of the entire tent is on the pig. <gasps> right. Breath and grace and oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> Forever. Just constellations. <laughs> um, it is awesome. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomairsflag.org. Thank you.